0: Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a four-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga and meditation, and plant-strong athlete. Where are you, Emily? Oh, right. I am driving a car through the middle of ohio on
1: my way to wisconsin with my amazing co-host tyler held that's me i'm tyler held i am a mental toughness coach working towards my doctorate in sports psychology i'm a professional groom i'm a practitioner of jiu-jitsu daily meditation all the things related to mindset motivation positive thinking and i am very excited to be talking to you guys today on this very special midnight edition of the whole equestria podcast midnight special coming at you late night show so for those of you who haven't listened to the show before um, our podcast is usually kind of segmented into a couple different um, areas we talk about goals and words of the year um, to help keep you guys inspired and talk about some of the things that we're going after in our lives so that you guys can go after great things in your lives. Then our very favorite segment, Books, 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 where we talk about some of the books that we're reading um, right now. And then we have a main topic where we'll talk about, uh, you know, something related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, or community as far as it applies to the horse world and your real life because, you know, that's all what the whole equestrians about, Mm -hmm. applying all these concepts to your life, Um, and then we do some actionable advice and, you know, listener questions and everything like that, so, um, Emily, I know that we don't have a script or anything, Uh we're going on the fly for this, and it's a little bit uncharted territory, but we're gonna roll with it, the fans are gonna love it, Um, tell me about what your word for 2020 is so my word for those of you who don't know is
0: believe and um basically this was supposed to be a really big year for me and my horse and competing at Kentucky um was the plan in the five star and so I just at the beginning of the year was like I really need to believe in myself and my abilities and all the things that um come along with that and um So, wow, I'm getting blinded by a flash right now. (laughs) Thank you, Tyler. But anyway, um, so that's my word. Obviously, things changed a little bit here in 2020 competition-wise, but it's still been useful, and um, I'm actually putting it to use tonight as we are driving straight through the night to get to Wisconsin to do our clinic, Um, and I believe that we can do this. We can drive through the night. We're going to have a great time, and
1: yeah, that's that's what I got. Okay, so I question for you because, so we picked a word for 2020 and the first time that we did this was in 2019 um, and your word for 2019 was? Oh my gosh, <laughs> what was it? Action! Um, action. Oh yes, right, right. And I just wanted to like, for a second so I'm going to segue and I'm going to talk about like my word for um, a hot second, but I want to know how you feel your decisions have been guided by picking this word for yourself. Because for me, my word of the year last year was discipline. And so I was very much like rigid about my schedule. I was reading a book a week. I was doing all these things, you know, just trying to be really disciplined in my life. Now my word this year is connection. So I've put a lot of the energy that I put into reading and achieving and all of that into relationships in my life and it's kind of interesting to see how you know like both of those things made me feel good you know it makes me feel good to be disciplined it makes me feel good to achieve but it also makes me feel good to be really connected with the people and the horses in my life and I don't know I, I guess like just recently I I've kind of been reflecting and catching myself think about how those things, you know, like contrasting. I'm like, okay, well, if my word of the year was discipline this year, I would spend this night, you know, going to bed at nine yeah. o'clock. But and then you wouldn't have time to it. connect as much, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's kind of like noticing the trade offs. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you had any similar experiences with your words. Um, yeah, I mean, last year,
0: choosing action was pretty useful. Like I felt like I just needed to make some moves on things and it helped me to do that. Um, And I still think about that, like when, you know, I have these ideas that I want to do, I'm like, wait, you know, let's take action, let's remember that, Um, that it's great to have these grand plans, but if you don't put things into the work, they're not going to, works, they're not going to happen. So I still come back to that word. And then I think also, like, believe ties into it. Like, I don't really think my words, um, oppose each other. I think they work pretty well together. Like, you know, I need to take action and actually believe in
1: myself and all of the things, I think you know? it almost works, like, um, synergistically for you. Yeah. Like, to, to be able to take action, like, spend a year, like, really focusing on, like, learning those action steps and then, like solidifying it being like okay like now that I that now that I know how to chase after something now I know how to know how to take that action believe in the process that like you're doing the right thing yeah and I think that's really a good way to look at it because like for me I don't know I guess I used to something that I said last year when my word uh, was discipline I said I also need to be disciplined about like you know giving myself rest and recovery time yeah. which like a lot of rest and recovery is spending time with you know your the people that you love in your life and maybe in a way I just like wasn't as disciplined about that as I should have been last year um and it's just I don't know it's I feel like it's really interesting like striking a middle ground and I feel like if anything like in life when you're hyper focused like we are here at the little equestrian you're kind of always analyzing and making adjustments to okay this is something in my schedule or something in my life that i need to tweak and change and um what works what doesn't and just being really like mindful of you know the results that you're getting out and i will say like right now i feel like the happiest and fullest version of myself expressed and it does come from necessarily not being 100% 100% disciplined 100% of the time, like allowing that room for play and connection. Yeah. Well, and also, I think
0: prioritizing, like, you can still, I think you're still very disciplined, but now your priorities have shifted a bit. You yeah. Know? And so now, like, connection is a priority. So you are being disciplined about connecting. Like, even if your discipline is to, like, loosen up and have more time for those things, like, it's still a form of discipline. You're just priorities of, like, where you're, you know, channeling your energy is a bit
1: different, I think. All right. So while you're in the hot seat there, Emily... Yeah. Do you have any goals for 2020 that you have strided towards this month? You know, I've been struggling with, like
0: frankly, remembering what goals I put. I do have them written down, but I'm always like, where did I put that piece of paper? Like, I need to just post it up somewhere. But I haven't... I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes, again, kind of making a new goal for 2020. And I'm focusing most of my energy on that, which is the finishing my yoga teacher training. Right. Well, actually, like...
1: The module, right?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna... My goal is to get halfway through Um, the yoga teacher training because it's supposed to take like a year so um, the end of 2020 is basically like six months so I want to be at least halfway through the program Um, and I am there's seven modules I'm in the second module and I'm like halfway done with that so I feel like I'm doing pretty well and I'm enjoying it a lot Um, and there's you know, I've been doing yoga for a long time Um, but it's really cool to learn more in depth about, like, the philosophy behind it and more of the spiritual side of it. Um, you know, it's not just about the physical asana, it's about, like, the whole mind-body connection. Um, so... That's been super interesting
1: to yeah, me. That's so, really cool. Like that's definitely yeah. what drew me to yoga from the beginning and like what also draws me to martial arts. Like I think people see some of these activities as like quote unquote exercise, but it really does fit in the like being connected with your body. Yeah. And like anything that is going to have you deliberately move your body helps like get you out of this space of life and get you really aware of yourself. And I think that really helps you lock into spirituality. There is a fly that has been trapped in my car. <laughs> and it is attacking it both of us. Apparently, not... if you sit in the passenger seat, it attacks you. Yeah, because so I haven't been getting it as much I the driver's I seat. didn't notice it in the driver's seat, but it's literally
0: trying to fly up. So maybe we should open a window next time and see if we can chew it out. Yeah, that wouldn't be very good for sound quality. But <laughs> um, anyways, um, um, okay, so you have been working on what goals?
1: Okay, so I had a couple um, like connection related goals. Um, and one of those, which I, like, I was looking at my 20 goals for 2020 the other day because, like, same, same as you and same as most of our listeners probably, like, there is a point that you kind of feel like you just threw 2020 out the window. Yeah, we're like, all right, and, all we're right, just going to survive it. this year. So, um, so I did, I made a goal of calling an old friend once a month, like, mm-hmm. to kind of stay connected with old friends, um, in my contacts list, and so... I actually used this little, uh, you know, night driving adventure to peruse the contacts. And I had a very nice conversation with an old friend of mine, Colin, um, who lives back in Annapolis where I was working my old job and it was so nice to hear from him. Like, he's talking about proposing to his girlfriend. Are you sure you should put this on here? I don't think she's listening to the whole of okay. podcast. Uh Sorry if we ruined it. Yeah. I don't they all know that they're getting married. I didn't say the specifics of when it's gonna happen. And I think it's gonna be okay. Okay, all um, right. But yeah, so, you are right though. I probably like, shouldn't spoil I, I, I'm gonna be like the person. Actually, okay, so this is actually a really good story. Um, one time when I was a child, my friends went up to my lake house for a sleepover for my birthday. It was like my two best friends, And they got me, you know, birthday presents. And before I opened my presents, they told me what they got me. But we didn't want my parents to find out that they had told me what they got me. And as I'm opening presents, um, my dad goes, okay, is that everything? Did we open all the presents? And I knew that my one friend, Jamie, had gotten me this big stuffed animal horse. Mm. And I hadn't opened a horse yet. And so when my dad goes, Did we open all the presents? I go, no, there's a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, how did we get on this
0: subject? I'm like, actually... Oh, with like ruining surprises? Yes. Okay, I was
1: like, wait. We're... And that was the end of the story. This has been <laughs> that another was the edition end of, the- <laughs> of Tyler telling a really random story that she thinks is funny. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't relate to the episode at all. So, <laughs> moving on. So, um, I called Colin. don't ruin surprises. He's getting married. Don't tell his fiance if you know her. I'm not even going to say Colin's last name or his yeah, girlfriend's please don't. name. Um, or I'll make up a fake name. It's calling How about you just leave it? How about you said enough? Let's move on to the next part. Okay, okay, so, um, some more of my goals for 2020. Um, my, my temporary goal for 2020 was to get all A's for my first semester. So I'm working on my finals this week. Um, so I'll be able to give that update on next episode. Um, let's see. 20 goals for 2020. Um... Oh, You know what one of my goals was? Go on one date a month. And yeah. And let me tell you about the coolest date that I went on because... I love it. It I- was actually something out of like a rom-com movie fairy tale. Um, my roommate has a friend who happens to be a pilot. And he was going to take her on a date on the plane. And just, you know, casually fly through New York City on a Wednesday night because that's what you do when you're a pilot and you can fly a plane. And um, I was sitting there and talking about boys and being frustrated about my dating life and wanting to go on my date for the month. And she was like, you should come on this plane ride. Like, you can, uh, you can go on a date with Alec. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'm in. Spontane. I, and it was hard for me um, Because the, the discipline in Tyler Did not want to miss jiu-jitsu class On a Wednesday night Yeah. So I did I missed jujitsu jitsu class I got on a plane with a strange boy And uh Yeah, we've been on several dates now Yes And we flew through New York Like I saw the Statue of Liberty From his airplane And he let me fly the plane So, that's pretty hard to beat. Okay, so, and Um, that happened because I made a list of goals, and one of my goals was to go on one date a month, and I was like, well, I guess I have to go on my date. Perfect. So,
0: that is why this happened, and um, let me tell you people, he is a very nice guy. I like him a lot, and it's nice to see Tyler with someone who is deserving of all of her wonderfulness. So, yeah. Well, I I think we're probably not going to be hearing a whole lot more about, like, bad dating stories in life. Sorry to disappoint you guys, um, because it was entertaining, but I think it's only going to be good from here. We
1: will, we will still do the bad dating episode, because, like, I've got a lot of stories. Yeah, I mean,
0: I guess we could, like, dig deep, you know, go back, get into the archives, you know? yeah
1: out some good ones. God bless the broken road. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, anyways. Okay. So that is, uh, that's goals. That's words of the year. I think we pretty much covered that topic. Yeah. Right? Um, tell me about your reading. Um, okay. So I'm reading, uh, wait, the, what? Books, books, books. Oh, books,
0: books, books. We didn't even say that. I didn't oh, even say gosh. the second title. So glad that you caught that because oh, that God. is I like, was just like
1: let me like let's hear about the books you're reading. What are we boring? No, uh, we're expert podcasters over yeah. here.
0: Y'all, it's twelve forty five in the PM or the AM, AM actually AM. in the AM. So we've been
1: driving since five thirty PM. Yeah. It's not good for the whole equestrian.
0: Well, you know, we're gonna have a rest day tomorrow before we start the clinic, this so is it's gonna really be good. But anyway, back to books, books, books. Um, I started reading, I'm about half, more than halfway through, um, I think it's called The Power of a Plant.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, by Stephen
0: Ritz. And, um, it's really, really good. Um, I got turned on to this book because I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is the Sonia Looney Show, and she had... Steven Ertz on the show and he's the founder of the Green Bronx Machine and basically it's a long story but he is a teacher and he taught in like the roughest area of the Bronx and um, you know there was a lot of issues with the the kids in the school and you know people not um, graduating bad test scores, all this stuff, and I think it was, like, I think it's one of the poorest school districts in the whole country, um, anyway, just, like, horrible statistics, and this guy comes in, you know, and he just, like, it's a long road, but he basically is able to turn his classroom around, and, like, um, pretty much everybody ends up graduating, they're doing really well test scoring, and he does it... By bringing like plants and gardening into the classroom, and it's just a really cool story. And That's there's awesome. a lot of um, personal um, experiences, and just like his experiences with his students, and it's really moving. Like, when I, I can't put it down um, until I fall asleep, <laughs> you know. No. But um, yeah, I took it to the beach when. PJ and I went on a vacation. Oh, that's one of my goals. One of my goals this year was to make sure to take a vacation with PJ. We took a little one. Anyway, side note. Check, check, check. Um, it was actually to take a week long and it was only like four days, but. Goal alert in COVID time. She still got it done. Yeah. So anyway, back to that. It was my beach read, um, and it was really good. I can't wait to finish it maybe tomorrow on a rest day I'll get to read some. Um, And then I'm listening to uh, Girl Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis on Audible. And that is also great. I, I listened to her husband's book a couple months ago, Get Out of Your Own Way. And it's funny that I like, heard his book first because her book has been around longer and is like sold millions upon millions of copies really popular um but it's basically like a self-help book but in a really cool sort of way like she lists you know these lies that she kind of has told herself and then explains like how she worked through it and then um what helped her work through it and just there's some good actionable advice and like she's hilarious and so it's fun to hear her read that on audible so it's a good listen i would suggest that um but that's kind of what i've got going on right now what about you
1: um well i am reading a book that my working student actually is letting me borrow um her mom works in the publishing industry and she was helping promote this book so shout out to grace's mom sarah wilson for oh. work with um so it's the trouble with love in the movies by rob harris and it's about um this guy who works on movie sets basically and he talks about like how that was so detrimental to his relationship because you're gone for hundreds of days at a time filming and you don't know when it's going to end. Um, there's one part of the book that basically says, you know, like we were working six days a week um, because that's like all that we can fit in the schedule. Um, but the funny thing is the minute you start working six days a week, you're only getting four and a half hours. And I just thought that was, like, so powerful because I really feel like that is, like, the number one takeaway that I see in the equestrian community right now. It's, like, yes, like, there is, like, there's a certain amount of, like, you know, there is no option but to work hard because, like, the horses need you. And, like, the horses will 120% of the time always come first. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, there, there does, like, always need to be someone caring for them. But, like once you like put like six grinding days into your week like you're only getting four and a half out productively whereas if you like actually like limit yourself to like okay like realistically this is how much work I can put into the week you get so much more out of that smaller block of time because you're fresher you're like you're more well rested you're not burnt out you're focused you're crisp like you can stay more passionate about it and I just thought it was really cool to see that concept like in another industry. Yeah. Um, And to be totally candid, I'm, you know, working on a lot of stuff for school still. So I've been, you know, intermittently reading chapters out of textbooks and research articles. So I've not actually finished that book, but it is a page turner. And when I do have time to sit down with it, I have been um, really enjoying it. Cool. I think I'd like to read that. Yeah. Sounds good hand it over to you after I finish. Yeah. Okay, so
0: so main topic, which is a complete question mark to me, Tyler just
1: sprung this episode on me. I said, Emily, you know what would really fill the gap in the time while we're driving is recording our podcast. So, Emily, I want to talk a little bit about um, bridging the gap between riding and wellness because let's talk about how Between performance, like, okay, health and high performance, you cross a line, right? There's no question about it. I read read books about ultra runners and, like, really high-level people in any sport. Cross a line where you're sacrificing your health for your performance. And even us right now driving to Wisconsin, like, we are sacrificing our health because... Like, research shows that it's not healthy to adjust your sleep schedule like right. this. Like, everything says, like, you know, you should go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, uh, going out without sleep, you know, it's puts you in a pre-diabetic state. Uh, this is something that we're doing to further our message to have people be healthier and happier equestrians. And so I want to talk a little bit about this tension Because it's something that I don't really have an answer for, right? Like, I want to explore it more and be like, okay, like, how can we blend health and performance? And what is that line? And how can we stop crossing it? But I know that you have um, definitely been chasing after some really ambitious goals in the equestrian community. And I want to hear your thoughts about sometimes that you really have seriously sacrificed um, your health for these goals
0: yeah um well as far as like the health goes i would say um riding as many horses as i used to which um like when i was riding for philip you know i'd be riding like eight ten a day not all the time but like it was usually like six and upwards um and occasionally, you know, be up to 12. And, like, that definitely took a toll on my body. I had back problems a couple years ago. I guess that was two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah, two, two years, years ago. ago. Um, and it's it's interesting now where I'm running my own business and, like, I have a smaller program. You know, I'm still riding plenty, but it's a lot less. Um, and just noticing how much better my body feels you know it's like you finding that place where you know you're still getting time in the saddle you're still practicing all of your skills but you're not pushing your body to like an unnatural amount of time in the saddle you know like there would be days well, like most days get on at 8 30 you're not done till like three or four like basically just riding all day which is fun you know it is fun but I think long term it's it's rough on your body um, and it's hard because like you gotta make money so you have to have horses in but finding the right number that's manageable um, and obviously some people are like more predisposed to certain um, problems in their body but like for me back was my my big issue Um, so I don't know noticing that that it was like caused by the amount of riding I was doing and also kind of realizing that what my right number was like six horses that's like my sweet spot that's a great number for me so um, yeah I don't know if that answers the health question I have
1: more on like wellness at some point but if we want to talk more about this part yeah no I mean I think I, I think that makes a lot of sense and like it does like it does raise the question of like how do we create like atmospheres and barns where like that is like that is a standard that like I because I, I, I don't know talking to uh you know Riders that I know, and just like from observing, it does seem like six is six is the golden number. Right, six like, is the golden number. Putting like quality time into six horses, and you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to quote the exact research, but like research on training and fatigue, I think like a, a 90 minute session of training followed by like a 15 minute break is like most effective um, for people that are like. You know, drilling things like at a very high level. And the breaks and the rest and the recovery is something that performers um, in other sports put so much more into than I think equestrians do. So, where an equestrian looks at the rest period as something that's taking away from an opportunity that they could be sitting on another horse, an athlete like a swimmer or, you know, like a weightlifter. Is going to look at that time of resting and recovering as being such a boost to their performance because it's something that, like you, most of your work as an athlete needs to be done away from the gym when your body's healing and adapting and making these like strength adaptations. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes in the equestrian world, like you know, the rider isn't really respected as an athlete. We've got the horses that will work for an hour in a day and they have their, you know, fifteen minute curry, they've got Magna Wave, they've got body workers coming, and we don't realize that we've then put riders in the situation where they're just riding nonstop all day and they're not taking any of these treatments for themselves. Yeah. And I think it's really like creating quite a problem because, you know, you just you can't you can't be your best if you're not recovering and you can't ride every horse well if you don't give yourself the time but then you know again the business model of eventing it doesn't really lend itself to saying like oh I can just you know say no to teaching that lesson and take an hour to go get a massage like it just there's a little bit of tension there so um definitely more work to be done in bridging the gap, but I just think it's like, I don't know something that we should all be talking about a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I have a couple thoughts on like how to make the business side of it work um, while maintaining your wellness. Is like, if you are let, we're just going to go with the magic number six. Like if eight's your magic number, that's great. Doesn't, doesn't really matter what the number is, but like for you what would be good. Um, say you're professional and you have more than six horses that you're responsible for working in a day. Well, you know, maybe you put the time into training someone really well that can ride the extra one or two that you have, you know, and then you rotate through the horses. Um, and they don't have to do the hard work that, um, you necessarily make the horses do, but like train them to jog the horses, while well, train them to canter the horses, you know, like do their canter sets or their hacking, you know, you should have someone that you feel comfortable putting on a horse here and there so you don't feel like you have to do every horse every day and then come up with a schedule where you can kind of rotate. And Tyler, I um, thought it was interesting earlier today you were saying how, like, With Toddy, you get to ride her often, like it's your, it's the Tyler time, right? So it's also time for the horse to like decompress when they're
1: not getting drilled by like the professional all the time. Right, right, if they have two really hard dressage lessons, right, in a row, throw your working student on them, have them hack them around, take the pressure off. I mean, that, for your horse, you'll see such a huge improvement. And, like, it's it's the same thing for you, too. You know, like, if you're getting drilled nonstop, like, eventually you're going to reach a breaking point. But if you can, like, give yourself an easy day and, like, not have this weird psycho-American mentality that if you're not constantly doing something, then you're not working hard enough, um, you'll you'll start to realize how wonderful it is to be recovered, to be rested, to have eaten a full day of good, nutritious meals. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's, inc- it's incredible to me that, that it seems to be such a... not a standard thing for equestrian athletes to do. Because, like, you know, you, you're supposed to be an athlete. Right. And y- you, you treat your horse like an athlete, but if you don't treat yourself like an athlete, I just, you know, I don't see where... There's only going to be so far you can take it if right. you don't really take yourself seriously as And an sustainability is, like, a really huge mm-hmm. issue, as it is, like, as it is for the horses as well. Yeah, and rate of attrition and all that. Um, so,
0: you know, another thing I think is, if you are a professional, and I know that we're just kind of aiming towards the professionals, but even if you're an amateur in a barn and you have a good relationship with your professional, maybe you can suggest some of these things, you know? Um... But I think as a professional, you need to really sit down and crunch the numbers because more isn't always better. You know, people think, well, oh, I need to take this horse because I need to make more money. Well, when you start having more horses, that requires more staff. And it, you know, there's like a place where it actually doesn't make sense to have more. You know, I kind of my personal philosophy um, in my program is quality over quantity. Like I want to do... Um, really well with my core group of students and horses. I don't need to have a giant program. Like that's never kind of been my thing. I want to do really well with a more um, select group that's like really serious and wants, also wants to improve. Um, You know, I've kind of made it my personal philosophy. I don't want any more than 12 horses in my barn because that to me is like, you go get over that, and then staffing becomes harder and, you know, there's more money going out in that. And so I think, like, knowing your numbers and realizing, like, okay, does this actually make sense or am I creating more work which is going to take away from my time and, you know, taking away from my time is eventually going to take away from my wellness, you know, and I think that's, that's the biggest problem for equestrians is, like, Because we have really long days in the barn, you know, by the time we're done, we're exhausted. And do we really want to go work out or do we really want to take time to make a a really healthy, nutritious meal? Chances are not, you know. So trying to gain back time where you can, you know, not by skimping on things, but by being really purposeful of
1: what you're doing and if it makes sense. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense and yeah. another another topic that I kind of want to touch on that I think weeds really well into everything that you just said is um, like having a schedule for the day, right? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like so many times like uh, you're running around and you're just like not sure how much time things are going to take and it's like oh well you never know what time you're going to be done because You never know how long things are going to take. But generally, it doesn't have to fit exactly a time schedule or not. But generally, you should know how long it's going to take you to work with a horse one day. Yeah. Granted, there's always going to be a time where you pull something out. It's having a particularly bad day. You end up feeling like you have to ride for a half hour longer than you anticipated. And you set the whole day, quote unquote, behind. But from my experience walking into, um a lot of barns like there seems to be no standard like this is what order i want the horses in this is what time i'm gonna be here like and you know i've i have friends in the industry that don't get a set list at all quote unquote i have friends that are waiting till 11 o'clock in the morning to figure out what each horse is doing and then you just get wasted time in the morning and I think for me like the biggest realization is that like I like I just I don't mind working late. Like sometimes you just have to work mm-hmm. later than you expected. But when you like I said later than you expected, but when you can when you can expect, when you know that that day is oh, going it's to be so much better potentially if you know. a day yeah. that's going to go long. I'm like Oh my god, like, I don't even care. Like, if I know ahead of time, I'm like, okay, we've got a lot to do today, and to fit that in, I think I might have to, like, be there for a few extra hours. I don't mind so much as, like, I come in, I feel like things aren't organized, and all of a sudden it's like, everything's a shit show, and there's three more hours of work and now I'm just pissed off and frustrated because I feel like there wasn't a plan. But if you go in with a plan and you're like, okay, everyone's going to work really hard and work really well together to get this done. And by the way, it's just a little bit of extra work today. Like that's the cool stuff. Like nobody talks about the day that you, got done at a normal time and like got to go home and like eat a snack like those aren't really the exciting times right like the excitement is everyone coming together to get really chaotic days done like yesterday even um we took 10 horses to school at windura when we have an eight horse trailer but because we had like literally a schedule down to the minute of when like we were going to ride every single horse and we had a plan for leaving two horses there while the trailer went back to get the two last horses that needed to be ridden like it was kind of exciting like it was fun to get all of that done whereas if it was just kind of a free-for-all and like okay like this is what needs to get done but we're not really sure what time it has to get done at and you know we're just gonna like fly by the seat of our pants yeah i feel like that's when it gets really frustrating
0: yeah that causes anxiety like you know because like if you, un, things that are unknown, that increases anxiety, right? But right. like if you know ahead of time, you can plan accordingly, mentally prepare yourself. It just seems to make everything so much better. I agree with you totally on that point. Um, yeah, and just, you know, it's, it's a habit. You have to get in the habit of planning ahead. But once you do it, I to me, I can't not do it. Like, every morning before I even leave my house, I look and I see what lessons I have scheduled and, like, what else is going on and, you know, when are my horses going to fit into this and, like, I have a plan before I even get to the barn. Um, and I also think, you know, with the set list, I, I almost find it, I found it easier in Phillip's barn if he did the set list the night before because then the You know that morning where it doesn't matter what time he comes in we can already get started on what we can do and you know be efficient i think that planning ahead and knowing what's going to happen you can do it in the most efficient way possible and then you know if it's a long day that's fine as long as you've still been efficient like you know i think people um, appreciate efficiency and like just makes the world a difference
1: Uh, yeah I just like I just can't think of a single other job that you would get to and like you know your roles for the beginning of the day but then you're just like not really sure what to do like you're waiting around for instructions basically like if you're going to go work a construction job you're going to get there and they're going to tell you exactly what you need to do that day they're not you're not going to be sitting around waiting for oh like you got here Yeah, clean up the site, put your hard hat on, and just, like, stand around while we figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. Like, have a plan, have action, like, work together. And, like, I don't know, I think that maybe sometimes people shy away from that because they're like, oh, like, horses are so unpredictable. Like, you never know what's going to happen. But I think the number of times that you have to drastically change your schedule because of something that happens with the horses is actually quite low in reality yeah. like if you if you really start working towards having a schedule you'll be surprised at how well you can stick to it ninety
0: percent of the time yeah and obviously you need to be flexible it's not like the schedule is like set in stone you know because horses can be predictable but you've got to go in with something yeah you, right. you, you don't want to go in blindly so yeah good good points Tyler
1: what else do you got I don't know Emily what are are you thinking as far as like kind of the theme is like this this gap between riding and wellness and like what what things we can do to work harder as equestrians to be happier and healthier in our barns basically we're talking about what the whole equestrian is about right now yeah um and, you know, I think, like, a lot we were born out of necessity. We saw, we saw a need for, for people to advocate for health and wellness in this industry. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess some
0: things that I think um, need to be addressed in the industry would just be, I don't know, A bit of a touchy topic, but you know, how people, how professionals treat their working students and also how they treat their clients. Like, you know, I I don't know if you can, (laughs) if you know where I'm going with this one, but um, I think that that, you know, there's, uh, we've talked about it before, so we don't
1: your call if you want to go into it No, I want to hear, like, I think you've got some fresh thoughts in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've just, so I've personally, um, dealt with some clients that have maybe not been treated in a way that I think would be appropriate, like, from past experiences. Right. Um, you know, I think that... Um, in general like your client is paying you for help right and so like they clearly must want to learn and get better and so I think encouraging them even if it's taking too long or it's frustrating like you have to stay positive and realize that you're you're giving this person a service you're trying to help them like they came to you for assistance you know they didn't come to you to get yelled at or made to feel bad about you know some of their gaps in their riding or what, what have you um, and I just think that you know some professionals just don't um, really think about maybe their client's experience and like where they're coming from. I think it can be hard for professionals who ride all these horses and like have a lot of confidence and, you know, get to do it all the time to understand why someone has a hard time trotting a rail you know? Like maybe there's some fear that's been building, you know, and I think just really trying to empathize with your clients and not baby them like you still are pushing them you're wanting them to get better but just taking a bit of judgment out and just realizing that you're there to serve them you're there to help them
1: if that makes sense yeah no I love I love everything that you said there and you know it is it's it's shocking to me sometimes how some of these interactions play out and yeah. I've witnessed it myself for sure.
0: You know, and then on the flip side of that um what's the saying? Like, people will only treat you as bad as you allow them to treat you, right? So, like it can be hard to stand up to, like, a professional perhaps, but, like, if you don't feel like you're being treated the way you want to be treated, like, don't tolerate it. There's other people that can help you, you know, and it's like, sometimes the chemistry is not right, and, like, you just need to, to find a different person that's going to be able to work with you, and I think just understanding that, like, you, you're not married to this person, you're not tied down, you know, so you've got to find what's going to work for you so that
1: you can achieve what you want to achieve, but. Yeah, and... Like, as far as the relationships with professionals go, you know, it has to be mutually beneficial. Like, there's no reason to have... Like, relationships in our lives in general are meant to benefit us. And I think we had a listener reach out last week about basically saying, Hey, I have a coach that's completely destroyed my confidence. What do I do about it? And, like, it breaks breaks my heart like that's not I actually in my motor learning and performance class like I'm learning about all the information processing systems and basically you know what he said as far as like learning new skills goes um, as you get ridiculed as you're learning a new skill that starts to basically be ingrained in the information processing system so as you're trying to recall a skill from memory you're also recalling this bad experience of someone telling you that you were not good enough or you're an idiot or that you're just not getting it right and like maybe you should give up riding altogether where, you know, I'm I'm definitely someone who has a very growth mindset towards um, things that I think everyone should. You never know how good someone's going to be or get at something based on looking at how professional. They are at a skill level at a certain time, right? Like just because someone comes to you and they've been doing something one way for their entire life, and you're trying to get them to fix it, you're trying to get them to change it and do something new, and they're just not getting it because that's not how motor development works. Like you can't just get it right away. Like all these things take practice. You have to you know, be transferring skills to long-term memory instead of short-term memory. And like, there's just so much like intricate details that have, I've really opened my eyes to this semester. That's really cool. That it's just like, if we have people in the industry who are injecting fear into these systems, then we're gonna have people who are never gonna grow. Yeah. Um, and so really, I think what we want to do at The Whole Equestrian is get more people who are, you know, viewing equestrians of any level from more of a growth mindset. And again, this isn't, this isn't the babying. This isn't seeing someone doing something completely wrong and saying, like, you're wonderful. But it's saying, hey, I'm going to correct you because I care about you and I want you to do this right. Yeah. And let me help you with that and let's work on this not you're worthless yeah. not you can't do this not you're an idiot because that's not going to serve anyone anything no.
0: yeah I agree and I think it's creating like a safe space you know it's a safe space for your client to tell you if you're not comfortable or to, you know if they're not comfortable with something or if they're having an issue with something and that's affecting their rider or their riding you know they need to feel like they can come to you with that stuff um so and I guess as we're talking I was like oh well we did talk about effective leadership last time this kind of ties into that but you know I just I think it's something that really needs to be addressed um so yeah and again going along with that safe space i think there's you would know this better but basically you know you can't grow until your basic needs are met right so if you don't feel safe yep like you you're not going to be able to learn and grow Right. are right.
1: talking about Maslow's hierarchy yes, of needs That's what I'm talking about Exactly. Uh, so like you know basically like humans Have certain needs like you have to Have shelter you have to eat you have to have Clothes on your back and a sense of Safety and a sense of connection And like those basic Human needs like You know you have to meet them before you Can start t- Like you know developing Other skills and yeah. you know um, A very important kind of concept that dictates why you know someone who doesn't have their nutrition like together might not be excelling in an area of their life because if you're not having the right fuel in your body um that's what your body that's what you're going to focus on you're like i'm hungry so all of a sudden when you're hungry skill development goes out the window because your body doesn't care right that you can't do a flying lead change because it wants nutrients you know yeah So, look, I'm proud of you for pulling
0: in. Yeah, pulled that in. Well, what made me think of this is actually I was talking to one of our friends today, and she was saying, um, good rider, super hard worker, but she's always been on not the easiest of horses and maybe not even the most talented of horses. Like, she does the best that she can with the horses that she has. She does great. But she said to me today, she was like, Emily, I just feel like I can't grow because all I'm doing is trying to, like, survive on this horse. Right. You know? And I was, like, just when she said that, I was, like, oh, my God. And that's where this came in. I was, like, that's right. If you're on a horse that, like, you're just trying to hang on and get it done to the best of your ability, you can't learn those finer skills, you know? It's, like, you can't process all of that at once. Like, oh, I have to survive and, um, also finesse all of this stuff, you know? Right, and right. so I just thought that was interesting. I love it. Yeah. So I told her that I'll let her jump Barry sometime and let her learn on that. That's very <laughs> exciting. I feel
1: like Barry's got a long list of people that want to jump him.
0: Gosh, once I'm done with him, he's gonna be like the most favorite lesson pony ever. Can I jump Barry? When, yes. <laughs> at some point, yes. When he's not four-star. Thing. When he's not Four and five star fit, yes. 100. When he's coming down from that. Oh, yeah, coming down, coming down. On the down, downhill. Hopefully that won't be for a while, but
1: yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything? I feel like we've we've done a pretty good little blurb here on kind of the gap between riding yeah, and wellness and. I think so. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments on the main topic? Um, just that it's
0: not gonna it's not easy and it's not going to be fixed all at once but like we have to realize that you know we could be doing better and kind of um expecting more from ourselves as much as we expect from our horses and also giving ourselves as much as we give our horses to yeah the breaks the proper nutrition the Like, self-care. I guess they don't care for themselves, but you know what I'm saying. That aspect. Like, you should take care of
1: yourself like I take care of the horses. Yes. Yep. I like it. So. Um. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, okay, so segueing into that to our next section, which would be actionable advice. Um knowing that this is a process, you're not going to all of a sudden like fix all these things. You know, it's a pick one thing and really focus on that, get a habit with that one thing. So say I want to work on my nutrition, like that's my one goal, you know, I'm going to focus my energy on that and break it down to even a smaller section. Like I'm going to have three home-cooked meals every week you know, or something like that. Um,
1: just choosing, you gotta help me out, I'm getting tired here. I got you, you I got you. So like, small small goals. So actionable advice, like, working towards things, uh, let's call it chunking, right? Yeah. So you pick something, and you're like, okay, this is the big goal, how can I break it down into small goals to get there? And like, I guess, kind of, a point of this episode was to talk about like, the industry in general so what can we do to chunk it down and be like this is how we're changing it today and Emily's doing it by being a really positive instructor and hopefully leading students that come very successful out of a positive method and she can be like oh okay like what are you doing part of my like big dreams and goals like in uh, the program that I'm in right now is like, let's instill a culture where, you know, we do have a team that works really well organized uh, and and we do form this this culture where we work hard so that we can give each other breaks so that when we need that time off, like we can step to the plate for each other. And create that. And and I want other people to look and be like, what are they doing that's so successful? So that we can all start giving ourselves a goddamn break, you know? Yeah. And um, just kind of going from there. And I don't know. Like, that's the point of this podcast. This is like, we just want to get the message out there that says, like, there is another way to do things than, you know, just... Slaving, away, Slaving all day.
0: away all day. Yeah, um, and I think too, like to me personally, like I can get kind of overwhelmed thinking of like, oh my God, there's all these things, you know, and I I can't possibly do all of these things or make that big of an impact. I, I think that's actually more it, for me is I'm like, oh, I want to make this impact, you know, and I want to reach all these people and um, it just feels a bit much sometimes, but if you break it down, you make it more micro, like how can you affect someone close to you,
1: you know, and then grow it from there. Um, Yeah, you think about the people that have like made an impact on your life. It's not necessarily an Olympic gold medalist. It's not necessarily You know, someone who's in the newspaper, like, how many people remember, you know, a teacher in their lives that made a significant impact on the way that they think about life? And, like, what can you do to influence people and the way that they think about their lives and situations? And every single person, every single one of us is a person of influence. And so choosing to be a very positive influence in other people's lives will help you be a positive influence in your own life. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's, it's this is just
0: something that pops into my head, you can be the person that always smiles and says hi or good morning. You know, like, that's a positive influence and it requires very little thing, like, effort and you can see a result. Like that's probably going to make someone else smile hopefully they'll pass it along chain effect boom positive influence
1: boom baby wow i'm feeling the 1 time okay so right now. i would i do have to like segue for a hot yeah. second because poor emily sat in the passenger seat from 5:30 <laughs> to 12 p.m and said that she could not sleep i couldn't the whole, I tried real hard, guys. At I tried. All. She tried so hard to, like, take a little nap. To be totally candid, I have fallen asleep three times while recording this podcast. <laughs> and, like, Tyler's a power sleeper. I, like, need everything so perfect. I'm like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I can't fall asleep. I, like, okay, one, two. Oh, my gosh. I, I actually, I used to be like that. I used to not be able to sleep, like, in cars or, like, trains. Like, I felt like with my feet down. I couldn't sleep my friends and i flew to greece um like the summer after my freshman year of college and i remember being like well i can't sleep because my feet are on the ground and i was like that's ridiculous now like i got probably two years into grooming if I have a chance to be in a passenger seat going anywhere and take a little nip-nap, that nip-nap is happening pronto. Like, it does not take me very long to fall asleep. But yeah, I had to wake myself up a few times. So I'm excited to listen back to this. Um, As far as listener questions go, we didn't actually officially make a post about this because we didn't actually officially have a topic, but we did have a listener ask us,
0: what What is is hacking? hacking?
1: (laughs) I keep seeing things about hacking and I don't know what hacking is. This is clearly a non-horsey person. Um, so we described it as, uh, like taking a hike on your horse.
0: Exactly. But then we also had to follow that up with on the horse. On not the horse. like side by side. He was like,
1: well, why don't you just call it taking your horse for a walk? Because I'm like, that gives the image that you're like walking your horse. Yeah. Like that's taking your horse for a walk to me, like kind of hand grace type yeah. thing. Um, the image that he thought hacking was was picking out feet mm. they hacking away at the feet um so we cleared that up for that listener um and that's the only listener however question. just to dive a little bit deeper
0: into that I wonder where the term hacking came from in the first place it sounds very English maybe I think I we should google maybe it I can google it
1: right now fill, yeah. the,
0: fill the gap here so we'll, like, yeah this. It was hilarious, though, because I think we should give Justin a shout-out, because he does claim to be one of our biggest fans. I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah. But when he asked this question, he's, like, so excited. He's like, what is hacking? Like, I just love the enthusiasm that he had. Like, it was a real, I want to know the answer. Like, it's just, he desired to know this, you know? Okay, okay. All right. This Do we is,
1: have okay, it? Okay. So Wikipedia. So I'm just saying we don't know the credibility the of source, Wikipedia but yeah, but it's as coming a source. From that. Um, okay. So like, hack within the activity of equestrianism commonly refers to one of two things. As a verb. It describes the act of pleasure riding for light exercise, and as a noun, it is a type of horse used for riding out at the ordinary speeds over roads and trails. So like a hack horse, hacking. Okay, what's the origin? etymology. The ep- oh, uh, epit. Yep, okay. Is that how you say that sure. word? It is believed that the word originated from Hackney in mm. East London, an area where horses were pastured. Historically, the term dates to a time when carriage horses were used for riding. These animals were called hacks as a con- contraction of hackney and was originally used to describe an ordinary riding horse, particularly one for hire. The term also gave a sp- name um, to a specific horse breed developed in England known as the hackney. A lively riding horse, which is noted for its trotting ability and is used today for both riding and driving. The term suggests an animal of good disposition and calm manner, particularly one suitable for an inexperienced or purely recreational rider. So there you go, folks. Learn something new every day. Fun fact out of our lack of preparation for listener questions. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that that sums
0: up pretty much our episode this has been the late night
1: edition of the whole equestrian special Um, we will be taking our rest day tomorrow as we prepare for thank goodness a whole equestrian clinic in 2020 we're so happy to be able to put this on despite these times we've got procedures in order to make sure everyone's safe over the weekend very very excited um and actually part of the reason that we're driving to wisconsin is to make it uh the safest experience for all of our listeners out there exactly so that's what we've got
0: going on and um thanks for listening to this episode we appreciate you sticking with us even though this was unscripted
1: territory Um, If you want to get in touch with us, suggest a topic for an episode, ask a question, just say hi, tell us how the whole equestrian made you smile or, you know, made you think about something a little differently, please reach out to us. We are active on our Facebook page, we are active on our Instagram page, we uh, have an email at the whole the whole at gmail.com everything else on social media is at the whole equestrian um, check us out if you're using google podcasts or um sorry apple podcasts to listen to your podcast please give us a five-star review and we'll shout you out on the air
0: yeah so again thanks for listening
1: we're here bridging the gap between
0: riding and wellness and in the meantime enjoy the ride